Well, hello. And welcome back, everybody, to Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LaBooth. And I've got some creepy, creepy stories for you today. I've got my Red Bull and my water. I am ready to go. So, let's do this. Hope everybody's having a great scary week. Halloween's around the corner. Better start looking into what you want to be for Halloween. Get them costumes ordered so you ain't last minute looking. Just want to say thanks to everybody. Like I said, the numbers are growing. We're going to be hitting way over 5,000 pretty quick. But I hope you guys are ready for a good show. Don't forget to check us out on Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, I believe. We're pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. You can get ours. Don't forget, check us out on the other YouTube page too, guys. But just want to say thank you. Numbers are growing. Y'all are just making me feel awesome. Our numbers are growing around the world too. So I didn't write down. Next time I do a podcast, I'll write down the countries that are continuously listening. Uh, One's right off the bat is, uh, of course, America. But um, Canada, um, Germany, I believe Poland. Uh, there's some uh, countries in Africa that's starting to download uh, too. Some places in Africa that's starting to download. Um, it's just amazing, guys. Spain, New Zealand. Uh, just want to give a shout out to everybody. And if I miss you, I'm sorry. But next time, I'm going to write that stuff down. And I'll be better on to it. Well, I guess I will stop rambling. And we'll get on with some stories. Here's our first one. Our first story is the Elk Lodge, number 537, in Miles City, Montana. During the Prohibition era, the Elk Lodge was something of a a hot spot in Miles City. It was pretty much the place to be if you were in search of drinks and entertainment, if you know what I mean. There are more rumors that it may have been a favorite hangout of Bonnie and Clyde, who apparent who apparently went through to uh, play cards, or went there to play cards. And in 1953, the Elks Lodge was the site of the uh, suicide, and this is believed to be behind the paranormal activity that has been reported in the building. There have been many sightings of a female spirit wearing a long dress wandering the halls of the Elk Lodge, and she was even she has even been caught on camera on one occasion coming out of the bathroom. Wow, I wonder if she had to go take a ghostly poop or a ghostly pee. Here's some more stuff I got. Of course, the Elks Lodge was the hot spot for Prohibition, and it was the place uh, to go drinking and stuff like they say. Uh, it still don't say why this woman committed suicide. On both stuff I looked up for that story, it does not say why she committed suicide. It don't say because of a boyfriend dumped her or a husband dumped her or maybe she was pregnant. 
But that's one thing I really couldn't find a story on of why she committed suicide. So, but yeah, if you're ever around Miles City, uh, I believe this is in Montana, then, or no, yeah, Montana, then uh, go check out Miles City. Go check out the Elk Lodge and see if you see anything. All right, let's do our second story. <laughs> okay, our second story is the Kills Irish Pub in Seattle, Washington. The Kills Irish Pub, or the Kills Irish Restaurant, a family-friendly bar and restaurant set in the historic Butterworth building of downtown Seattle, was the once home to the country's first purposely built monetary and was in in has had a long interesting it <laughs> can't even fucking talk a long interesting history as a sense with rumors of paranormal activity going back to uh, nearly a century ago it is no wonder that its popular downtown eatery it, it eatery has long been reported to be one of the most haunted pubs in Washington. But in a city that has a sordon past as deep and diverse as Seattle, what horrors could possibly make one Irish pub stand out among the other? Here's some little did-you-know facts about the place. The entrance to the restaurant is where the bodies of the dead were brought into the uh, mortuary. And in 1903, it was the first building in the United States to be established as a parliament monastery uh, or monetary. If you hear any stuff in the background, this is the kids. I got the door shut to the studios, but... They're cleaning and stuff. Steph likes to jam out, cleaning her room to music, so. And it was the first location to offer services related to death. So that was the first, like, mortuary, and it was the first place established to related to death to do that stuff. It sold coffins, and, you know, it did all the funeral stuff. There was a special policy in place at the mortuary that would all allow families to remain with their loved ones before the uh, burial. It is said that the ghosts are attached to the building because of its positive energy. The haunting history behind the Butterworth building. It is often said that ghosts are drawn to positive energy, which the uh, Butterworth building certain are... The Butterworth Building's current occupants produce an an amplified amount of with their cozy Irish pub. But But the original Buttersworth Building and the services it provided was not always so lighthearted. It is the... It is the mask, the Mascabera era in the building's history that was led to its reproduction of being one of the most haunted pubs west of the Mississippi. 
And subsequently, there have been countless sightings that suggest that buildings, uh, the building's reputation is not all that as reminded over the years. And that's another thing. Doing these ghost stories, I have found out everybody says that, oh, this place is the most haunted. This place is the most haunted. I don't really believe that anymore because I see it all the time. The controversial history of the Buttersworth and Sons uh, mortuary has long led to the belief that there is an imminent volume of negative energy attached to the building's past. Well, of course, they dealt with death. There's going to be negative energy much of which can still be seen and felt to this very day. From rumors of coffins being burned empty because the bodies were sold for profit to the questionable practices of a doctor by the name of Linda Hazard who was known to treat her patients with starvation, there has been no shortage of dark history within the building. There has even been rumors and reports of unexplained noises within its walls. And many people have claimed to experience feeling of, uns, of uh, feeling un, uh, un at ease when left alone in the building, especially late at night. Throughout the years, many, spir- uh, many spiritualists have been brought to the uh, Buttersworth building, which that, I bet you that's probably like a medium, a person that can see ghosts or hear them, you know, them, them people. Throughout the years, many, okay, I've already said that. Oh, no. Throughout the years, many, oh, well, yeah, I did already read that. Okay, I'm sorry, I flipped that around. Okay, let's start right here. Throughout the years, many spiritualists have been brought to the Buttersworth building in an attempt to an attempt to interact or have meaningful communication with the alleged spirits who remain there, including both. Catholic priest and a voodoo priestess, <coughs> a voodoo child. Apparent. Uh, additionally, the building has made the apparition in many documents and written works to the uh, paranormal field, making it one of the most haunted attractions in the city, but one of the most documented as well. The Modern Hauntings of the Buttersworth Building Perhaps one of the most frequent sightings reported to the pub is one of a young girl who is uh, commonly described as being dressed in a scarlet veil dress with red ringlets. Oh my God, it's not a white dress. It's got color in it. Yay! Cascading down over her shoulders which is often referred to as a prankster and is said to be drawn to other children. There we go. Many people, 
Many people claim to have been seen, have seen the young girl, and some have said, and some have even left the Irish pub terrified because of it. But despite the apparitions, frightful and sudden apparitions, the common, the common, uh, the common denominator here among employees is that she is playful and friendly spirit. Well, that's good. She's not a real big pain in the ass tearing stuff up or being mean to people. Another frequent ghost, uh, another frequent ghost one might encounter is known by the name of Charlie, an older gentleman, gentleman who is most often seen wearing a hat. Charlie is said to appear randomly throughout the building, only to disappear shortly after. Like like the young woman in red. Ooh, a woman in red. You don't hear about that. It's always a woman in white. Charlie is also known to be very friendly and and a sociable spirit. However... However, there are there have also been reported encounters with other spirits, some of which have been described as less welcoming. Excuse me. One spirit of note involves a involves the mother of the current owner of Kale's Irish restaurant one night. It is said that fell down she fell down a flight of stairs and just barely avoiding any serious injuries. When asked about it, she claims that she had been actually been pushed from behind, even even despite there being no one around to do so. It is the the predator was and was indeed another ghost haunting the uh, historic pub. It would not be the first time the physical contact between people and spirits have been reported inside the building. The origins of the Butterworth Building. The Butters the Butterworth Building of which base levels is currently occupied of the the uh, Kale's Irish restaurant was originally constructed to serve as a mortuary the building became known in 1903 as the Butterworth and Sons Mortuary, later moving to a new location in 1923. A spiritual figure about the uh, Butterworth building is that it was one of the very first faculties to operate as a monot- as a uh, monot- as a monastery, a monetary, anyways, in the United States, designed specially for the purpose instead of being re, uh, retro, re, uh, re, re, being renovated later after, uh, con, con, oh, it was, uh, they did a, a little walkthrough. After the uh, construction, they did like a little walkthrough, and it still didn't really uh, fix anything with the with the sage or whatever they use when they light that thing and walk around and say, you know, please, whatever its house. But the butter Buttersworth building morbid business is not the only interesting feature it boasts. In fact, late 
Victorian building, which was designed by John Graham Sr., has a unique structural layout that makes it appear to have three stairs or three stories from certain angles when it is when it actually has five. That's fucking crazy. Uh, the different stories all had their own unique uh, functions within the uh, monetary, the mortuary. Creating a different system that made Budsworth and Son stand out against the uh, competition. For example, one used on one on one was used only to store the the uh, mortuary's bodies, so others could uh, deal slowly or with their uh, deceased. So they'd put them in a different place and not bury them just yet and let these people uh, take their time mourning. That's pretty nice of them. They don't do that anymore. It's like, let's get the people in here, uh, get their money, and kick them out. All right, guys. Well, that was the Buttersworth Building, the Butterworth Building in Seattle, Washington. And it's a pub now. So if anybody's up there in that area and has ever been there, let me know, man. Okay. Our next story is a big one. Okay, our next story is about the Brute, uh, Brute Barton Cummings theater in Canada I believe in Winnipeg would two of Winnipeg's most famous ghosts show up at the uh, Walker theater for their 100th death day party this week oh it's asking will they show up because apparently when they wrote that story it was the 100 year birthday if I'm working I just might be a cupcake but two candles candles on and leave it on the stage for them <coughs> says Kenny the ghost friendly house technician at the theater researched he uh, re-christianized the uh, Burton Cummings Theater for the performing arts in 2002 then I'll wait for that's what he did and then this is him saying after he leaves the candle I mean the cupcakes up there with the two candles, he will wait for them to come down and blow them out. That would be something if they did it. A century ago this week, a notable English actor, acting couple, Lawrence Irving and Madel Heckney, left Winnipeg by train for Quebec City after a trumpet North, tour, North American tour that accumulated at the then seven-year-old uh, Walker Theater. Mabel Hickney and, okay, I'm just going to say Mabel and Lawrence died aboard the uh, imp, aboard the Empress of Ireland. The renowned Londoners, he was the damper 42-year-old son of the illusionist Brit British actor Sir Henry Irving. 
The first stage performer, former to be knighted, had booked passage booked a passage home to London via Liverpool on the Corsion, but a friend convinced them to transfer their transfer to the larger Canadian Pacific sister ship, the embrace of uh, em, em, embrace 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 or the of Ireland. But disaster struck the Empress on May 22nd at about 2 a.m. It was rammed by the uh, Norwegian Kohler stored something in the fog on the uh, starboard side Saint Lo- at the uh, St. Lawrence River of Rimagosha, claiming over a thousand lives. Canada's worst peacetime maritime disaster. The death toll included Irving and Hickney, the most prominent of the passengers. The most famous, basically, is what they're saying. Wayne Kalawaki and Winnipeg Free Press Barton Cummings Theater ghost-friendly house tech Kenny says some believe two actors who died a hundred years ago still haunt the Winnipeg Theater. Well, if that was a place that they hung out a lot and they was really, like, loved the building and they died while they there's a way, it's nothing uh, unusual for that spirit to come back and haunt it. The Win- uh, Winnipeg Theater goers are shocked and uh, saddened by the deaths of the actors they had so loudly applauded the previous week during the performance of Four Plays. <clears throat> Typically, the unknown uh, written law, the Lily in the first full production of the importance of being earnest, before Irving left the uh, groundwalk the Grand Walker stage Grand Walker stage he bowed to the audience farewell saying as reported by the papers of that day that he was deporting with only the most delighted memories that he vowed to return with a new with new stage work so he was wanting to come back here so that means he really liked the place Irving and Hickney were last seen collapsed in each other's arms as the ship slipped beneath the waves. That's fucking cool. I mean, it's not cool that they died, but it's, at least they died together in each other's arms. His body was found still clenching a fragment of his wife's nightdress in his hand. The 34-year-old Hickney was never found. So the guy was found, but the wife was never found. Their deaths are committed by shining Cooper plaque installed in the lobby of the 1,636-seat Walker in 1915. Irving and Hickney apparently kept their promise to return, becoming the house ghost of the Smith Street Theater where they last performed together. All theaters are said to be haunted by the spirits of former actors, and they were soon blamed for such uh, activities as spooky whispering, clapping, and ghost sightings. 
Jackson, the theater technician, has worked at the Walker for 23 years. Most days, he's the first in the building and last in the last out. He has heard about the things that go bump in the night at the Walker, which was converted into a first-run movie theater in 1945, then back into a rental house. It was recently taken over by True North, True North Sports Entertainment, who counted themselves as ghost disbelievers until a night 13 years ago when he and his and his when he and his sound technician were about to have a beer before closing up we were sitting over there jackson uh, who's 50 says during recent interview backstage pointing to the table upstage right I watched something rise down stage left, and it was uh, a stockly woman in a black dress. She seemed to rise up from the floor and disappeared over there. It was only a second or two, and there was no wave, no hello, no nothing. He returned. He returned to his uh, place. Who his? Oh, he returned to his colleague who confirmed he had seen the apparition, too. Both bolted out of the theater. I later checked the plaque out there because who else could be? it could be. Jackson says, since then, I call her Michelle. I, amuse, I assume it was her. By nature, stage folk are superstitious a lot. And their rituals go farther than simply refusing to utter the word Macbeth in a theater and risk the wrath of recent spirits. In order to appease those apparitions, every theater employs a social, a, a uh, medium, a person that can, you know, read the ghost or talk to him or whatever. Uh, that, and they, uh, Put them in there, you know, in the night when no one's there. Allowing any actor spirits to perform the when the place is closed. <clears throat> so every now and then they bring this person in. Most theaters ghost uh, light on. Most theaters leave a ghost light on the stage, but at the Walker, a single bulb, the four-story fly gallery level illuminates the stage. I leave that one on twenty four seven. He said, "I like to think they're that. I like to think they hang out up there. I call it Mabel's ghost light." Jackson has experienced many eerie, unexplained moments in the theater. The sound of someone walking up the wooden stairs in the second balcony, known as the uh, God's uh, side lights, that go on and off. Shadows moving in the otherwise empty buildings and an unable, an uneerie feeling of being watched. A friend's dog suddenly went nuts trying to get out and get into a room on the fourth floor. But when the door was open, nothing was found. He says a couple of weeks ago, a True North employee telephone to ask whether Jackson could explain hearing a door shut and seeing a band on a railing in the uh, empty theater. Oh, seeing a hand, not a band, a hand 
on the railing. I've heard hand clapping in, in the theater when I was by myself, he says. Was it at was it a pagan or peacon or a truck going by? I try to think too much I try not to think too much about it and I just move on. Ah, I had to get a drink. Told you this one's long. Was it at? Oh, okay. She's frequently ghost. She's a oh, she's a friendly ghost. I talk to her and joke with her. If I hear something, I say, "Hey, Mabel, is that you?" I ha I haven't heard an answer yet. And if I do, I will be out of here in a hurry. I would, too, if I said something and got a fucking answer back. There has been one female staff uh, member who wasn't so comfortable with the creepy presence. She was working by herself when she suddenly felt she wasn't alone. She came bolting out of the first balcony and went out of the front door and swore she wasn't coming back because the place was haunted. Recalls Jackson who until April was the Walker's general manager. He never even came back to get, or she never even came back to get paid. That's fucked up. That's pretty uh, scary. While most Winnipeggers don't want to have anything to do with the supernatural, others are keen to encounter Irving and, H and Hankney, who met in 1910, and they were both, and they both were members of his uh, father's stage company. I don't like to say they were Brang Brangelina of their the Brangelina of their day, but the but that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are the uh, Lambert of the day, says the says Tim Sewell, a Winnipeg historian, buff and ghost enthusiast. They were media darlings back then, so they were. Kind of like the first ever big time stars. He would like to be in the theaters overnight Wednesday. He liked to be in the theater overnight on Wednesday to see if the couple makes a special appearance. Uh, I cannot imagine any other night are more likely to appear than May and then May twenty second of two thousand fourteen. He says. I do believe ghosts exist. I would, wouldn't be happy to wait up and see her if anything happens. If the Barton Cummings Theater will be amenable of a ghost watch on that night. I carefully, with no shame whatsoever, propose myself as the first volunteer. No more than five people. Please, ghosts are ghosts are unknown to ghosts. Don't like crowds, so that's pretty cool. Got an old uh, old couple that still haunts the theater that they were at quite frequently, you know. And that that happens with a lot of these ghost stories. I've noticed that when the people uh, pass away, and it's a building they really, really like have been there for. 
then or been there and really likes, and they come back in their afterlife. All right, guys. I am going to take a real quick break, do a commercial, and I'll be right back. Well, how's everybody doing today? It's your good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash. The most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a stein, baby. Well, if you're wondering, what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about? And who is this some bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, babies. We're going to get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day, talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that. And we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts, do a little joking around. And my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Boothville, Louisiana. And he calls sometimes. And we have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Kona. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline, Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher. Pandora, iHeart, uh, I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy, Uncle Boo, Uncle Dickie, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, baby. Because we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dine with kings and queens, slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politics bullshit, <coughs> come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. Bye. <coughs> Well, I hope you like that commercial, guys. All right. Our next story is of the Fort Peak Theater. I'm going to turn my light up a little bit for this one. My bifocals are working, but it's a little dark in here. A little dark in here. While Fort Peak Dam was being... Built in the 1930s, the the town of Fort Peak was built as a temporary home for the U.S. Army uh, Corps and engineers and their uh, families. So the workers and the engineers of it basically made this town. That's why it's here. There were homes and other amenity buildings, uh, including the Fort Peak Theater, which was completed in 1934, 
so that the uh, workers would have some entertainment after they get off work and on days that they're not working. Although it is intended to be temporary, the theater remains in use today for a variety of theater productions. It is said that the uh, Fort Beck Theater is haunted by a female ghost who will manifest wearing 1930s style clothes. It is common for people to hear the sounds of a man at work when the theater should be empty. There have been reports of apparitions in the dressing rooms from uh, time to time. All right, here's some more stuff I got on it. When President Roosevelt authorized the works, the Work Progress Administration construction of the Fort Peak Dam in 1933, the uh, the, ta- the instant town with a population of 10,000 was created. A need for a social and uh, recreational devices in the uh, remote area of the of Montana. Basically, they're thinking of recreational stuff for these families and workers to do to keep their mind occupied and, you know, just keep them busy besides work. The Army Corps of Engineers designed and constructed the theater in less than nine months at the cost of nearly $90,000. The theater opened its door in 1916 Wait, in November 6th, 16th of 1934, as a movie house, seating, there was enough seating there for over 1,200 people. In condition, showings ran 24 hours a day. So they ran films here 24 hours a day, seven days a week during the construction of the Fort Peak Dam. Patreon sometimes braved lines as long as seven blocks to see the newest films films from 40 cent for 40 cent for a 40 cent floor or floor or a 30 cent seat or a 30 cent balcony seat the theaters function as a movie house seized in 1968 but it's originally carbon arch projectors remain in the Operational condi- uh, condition. The cutout ballard, ballast, ballasters and false balconies and the uh, beams and the partnered sidings of its Swiss chalet style construction. <clears throat> Reveal careful attention to the architectural detail that is unsuppressed in the WPA construction in Montana. The Fort Peak Theater now houses the largest professional theater company in eastern Montana and is a cultural treasurer serving almost 8,000 theater goers during the uh, summer months. So... If you're ever around Fort Peak, go to the Fort Peak Theater and check that out, guys. See what you think, you slimy guys.
Okay, we have two more stories. I need to get a drink of water. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, let's see. All right, I'm going to do one more commercial because I got two big stories kind of coming up. One short one and one kind of long one. So I'm going to do one more commercial, take another drink of water, and we will get on with the story. You ever look up at the sky at night and look at the stars and wonder, are we the only ones really out here? Have you ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then, if so, come listen to this podcast called What's Really, really, out, really there? out There. And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am your co host, Stephen Booth, Hafaja. And if you're into UFOs, Unsolved Urban murders, mysteries. unsolved murders, mysteries, uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends. We're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff, too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff, then you uh, need to listen to what's, what's really, really out, out there. there. And we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora, I think. But we are Pretty much on every platform. Mm -hmm. We have a YouTube channel too, or channel. So go check that out. It's called What's Really Out There. So come check us out. Once again, I'm your co-host Stephen Booth, and I'm your host Stephanie Booth, and this is What's, What's Really, really out, out There. We'll see you at the next episode, guys. I hope you all like that commercial. Stephanie hates it. She always says we need to redo it. Okay, our next story is the Saint... Now, if I'm saying it's wrong, I'm sorry. The Saint Boniface Cathedral in Winnipeg, Canada. It's a museum specializing in the Franco-Manitoban culture and history. It was finished in 1851 and has been a nunnery and an orphanage, a school and a retirement home and a hospital. I bet you this place got a lot of stuff in it since it's been the hospital and a sanatorium and a nunnery. Phenom sounds of uh, singing monks and women's choruses, along with the sounds of children running and playing, have been reported. Excuse me. Also, lights flicker, water turns on and off, doors open and close. And the folks often notice an eerie feeling that they are being observed by something they cannot see. So, if you're uh, there in Canada, check that out for me. I'd love to hear about that. Uh, I'd love to hear about that. That'd be pretty cool, I think. All right. I'm going to get ready for our last one. It's a good one. All right. It's last one is Starvation Heights Sanatorium in Olala, Washington. I hope I said that right. All right. This is a story of Dr. 
Hazards Health Plan. And he had a uh, big old hospital-like place to do this called Starvation Heights in uh, Olala, Washington. Here we go. Linda Hazard is an unlicensed doctor. She opened a sanatorium for patients on her starvation recommendation in the early 1900s. Now, I know scientists, that's her job, is to go make these hypotheses and see if they're right or whatever, but come on, common sense would tell you starving yourself is not right. I know you can do it for a couple of days to get fit, lose weight, but you need some food, guys. You need to feel the energy. Hazard believed that starvation was the cure for all elements and that it got rid of the body's toxins. Her sanatorium was called Wilderness Heights, but the locals called it the home of Starvation Heights because of the sinister activities that took place there. Wealthy individuals who desired to keep up with health trends of the early 1900s We checked themselves into the sanatorium. Patients were into the sanatorium. Where was I? With health. I lost my place. Okay, to keep up with the local trends of nighttime, they would book themselves in the sanatorium. Patients were forced to do to fast over 40 days. 40 days without fucking eating ain't going to fix you. Oh, stupid. Now, what's crazy is she did all this and didn't have a fucking license. Now you need a license to do this kind of stuff, thank God. And they were only allowed to eat uh, certain kind of soups and orange juice in small in small amounts. One hazard patient was Daisy Hangelod, the mother of, Iver, of, AV, of Ivan Hangelod who founded Aviar's Seafood Restaurant. She died in uh, Hazard's care while Aviar was still a toddler. While some completed the treatment and raved about its benefits, 40 patients died of starvation heights. Even when patients realized that the treatment wasn't helping them, they were too physical and too weak to leave. Ah, that makes sense. In their weekend state, Hazard would manipulate them into changing their will so she would receive a large portion of their money upon their death. She was found guilty of manslaughter in 1913 when a wealthy British Harris died in her care. Hazard went to prison for two years, then came back to Olawa to reopen her sanatorium. The phony practitioner had an one-site crematorium and cemetery for her deceased patients. Both were hidden far in the woods. She would personally perform autopsies on her patients, cremate them, and then bury them in the cemetery. This cemetery is said to be haunted and is the subject of many local paranormal group investigations paranormal investigators have reported seeing ghosts in the cemetery and they have received uh, evp noises the uh, the original starvation starvation heights house 
has been torn down. A family that lived in the lived in the home reported that they had seen ghosts and that their furniture would get rearranged without explanation. So if you're hungry for adventure and if you want to have an uh, and you have an appetite for the unexplained, then go visit Starvation Heights, baby. Who knows? You might find a treatment for yourself. <laughs> Sorry, that laugh was kind of retarded. Well, guys, that was it for the show today. I'm glad you stopped by and checked it out, guys. I think we've got, what, one more week of, uh, one or two more weeks left of uh, August, and then it's September. Cooler weather, and that means spooky times will be coming. I can't wait for October. I got a great story to cover this year for the Halloween special, and it's a big, good one. I've been saving it. Saving it for a long time, guys, just for you. But I'm glad you guys stopped by today to check out the show. I'm glad you guys are uh, growing with me. The podcast is growing, and I'm so proud of that. It's amazing. So you guys keep up the good work and all that. And we will catch you cool cats later. I am Stephen LeBooth. This is Ghost Stories from the South. Told from the South. Go check us out on Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. And I keep our YouTube page caught up so you can check that out too. But you guys, I will see you later. Be spooky and don't forget... Hit them like buttons, subscribe buttons, and download more. Tell your friends about it. And it's getting cooler weather. Time to be listening to some creepy stories while you're in the campfire. <laughs> All right. I'll quit being a dork. But I'll see you guys later. Lots of love for you. Be good. Be real. And don't be too scared. See you later, guys. <laughs>